Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. If you are feeling overwhelmed or floating towards the darkness, do not hesitate to phone a friend. If you are embarrassed that you are having a difficult time, call the Veteran Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. That's 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. As we told you many times over the last year, do not make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you are new to the show, thanks for joining us and be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Underscore Misfit Nation. That's The Underscore Misfit Nation. So you can stay up to date on all episodes as they release, while also having the opportunity of getting to hear the stories of our amazing guests. Speaking of which... Our next guest is a retired battalion fire chief, is the author of Fireproof, Your Grand Strategy to Transforming Failure into Fuel for Your Future. He's a motivational speaker, coach, and mentor. He owns and operates David Hollenbach Consulting, LLC, and hosts the popular podcast From Embers to Excellence, and is also a U.S. Navy veteran. So without further ado, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, David Hollenbach. How are you, David? And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I, I love what you're doing. Um, I, I, it was just a matter of time before our paths crossed. Definitely. <laughs> and I, once, once I seen you were a, a battalion fire chief, I said that, that's someone that's a, I, something I wanted to do when I was growing up, be a fireman, even though I was definitely afraid of fire, which is, you know, I guess the polar opposite of what you want, where maybe that's the best person to have. The person that's afraid of fire might be the one running in to put them out. But I was always afraid of it, but I always wanted to be one. So I idolized firefighters when I was growing up in New Jersey. But then I took a different path and went in the Army. So a totally different side of the emergency management world, I guess. And uh, did hazmat response in the Army and stuff like that. So with your background, you, you're in the Navy first and then became a firefighter, fighter, or did you do both at the same time concurrently? So um, after I graduated high school, I tried to join up couldn't get in because I had some hardware in my knee from uh, a bad um, break to my tibia. And um, <clears throat> so I went to school. Uh, I was actually in EMT school. I had taken some fire classes. And uh, at the time, I was in the work study program. So I was working for the college. Uh, maintaining the baseball fields and uh, one day I was riding on the fender of this tractor and uh, the the main guy that took care of the fields 
uh, went in this depression in the outfield of this uh, one field and it launched me. And when I, when I landed, I felt one of the screws in my tibia back out. It just like went and I looked and you could see the head of the, the screw pushing against the skin, like super tight. Wow. And so uh, I, I went and got the hardware removed. And uh, like, as soon as I was healed, uh, as soon as the, the sutures were healed and taken out, I went to the recruiter. I was like, I can sign, I can sign up now. Right. Um, and yeah, they, uh, the Navy took me and uh, I had to sign a medical, um, like a medical waiver. And um, when, you know, I was uh, finishing up with a school and uh, fell on the stairs and broke the same damn leg. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so I uh, did, you know, a total of like 14 months. Um, I actually did get uh, um, orders to go to the USS Hewitt. It's a guided missile destroyer. I uh, did finish school. I finished second in my class, but never ever got to actually go on board a ship. Um, it's kind of frustrating, but I think, uh, probably, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? That's what I was just going to say. Everything happens for a reason. It led you to your actual, your career, uh, 20 something years as a firefighter. That's a long time in the fire service. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of things that you probably never wanted to see or never thought you should see in life as a firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I was born and raised in central Florida. Um, you know, downtown Orlando, there's, you know, really inner city, um, kind of atmosphere around there, some bad neighborhoods. And, uh, when I, when I joined up with the fire department, I went to the department that my dad had worked for, uh, when he retired from and, uh, you know, just following in, uh, my dad's footsteps and wanted to, to prove myself. And I, you know, I mean, I ate it up. I mean, it was, did some really cool stuff. Um, but that became my identity. Um, even on my days off, I, you know, I'd go to training. It was just eating and sleeping fire department stuff and always wanted to be at the busy stations. And, uh, yeah, I've seen, seen a lot more than, um, yeah, I think people are supposed to see. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, early on in my career, it was like any gung ho 20 something year old male, you know, like you're, you're tough, you're bulletproof. You don't really think about uh, the effects that it's having on your your psyche, and um, you know, and the the culture isn't one in which you would ever like say that you were having any issues. So, uh, years later, um, yeah, I I actually uh, promote resources on on my show and on my website. Uh, for veterans and first responders, because 
the military and the fire service and you know any public safety the the culture is one in which there's a stigma around uh coming forward with with mental health issues and um nobody wants to admit that they uh they're having a tough time with something you know exactly and uh i've seen it firsthand in the military i came back from uh, one of my deployments and told them something wasn't right with me and they told me you're good to go get back in the fight i said okay thank you thanks so much and went right back to work and it wasn't until after i actually got out of the military that I actually finally got help so it took another uh, six years i think from that point to get help it and now, now i'm doing much better now that i know i can get help and not have that stigma outside of the uniform it's, it's unfortunate you know yeah and i am both on your service as well because if you get the if you have a firefighter most firefighters are you know physically fit and uh, they're big big strong dudes and if they admit that we're, we're women as well strong women they say all of a sudden there's something wrong with their brain the brain housing unit mental health they're no longer an asset to you you, have, you put this blink on them saying they're not good for you and it, it's it's a shame that that's the way society is I, I actually just spoke. <clears throat> I just spoke at an event in South Dakota. Um, it was for uh, the Sacred Mountain Retreat Center, um, which they, the center is uh, in the Black Hills in Deadwood, South Dakota, and it's it's another resource for veterans and first responders. It's um, it's amazing. Everything is paid for. Wow. Yeah, you. Know, you go through uh you know you apply to to the program they review it and um you know it's it's typically combat veterans um veterans that have been like the victim of uh, military sexual trauma um and then first responders law enforcement corrections fire department that you know, are struggling with PTSD and it's just what a great, what a great organization. And, uh, and so I had gone through the program and was asked to come and speak at this fundraising event up there uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And um, it was, you know, over 400 people on wow. there and a lot of them. Um, well, a, a bulk of the audience was, veterans and first responders that were struggling with PTSD or knew somebody that was struggling with PTSD and, you know, just wanted to contribute. Well, I told my story and afterwards it was one of those things where you don't realize how not alone you are when you're going through it. And, uh, you know, I just shared a little bit and I had a lot of people coming up to me and being like, man, I've been there before, brother. You know, I'm, I had one guy tell me that he just attempted the same thing that I almost did. And, um, luckily he didn't succeed. He totaled his truck, but he, he didn't succeed. And, uh, it's it's one of those things where people that have gone through that it's i think it's very rewarding to be an asset to those that are that are struggling with it right now 
Definitely. I, I agree. And uh, that's part of the reason I started this show is to help people get their stories out. Because a lot of times uh, my brothers and sisters don't uh, don't share the story enough and that makes it bottle up inside. And then that causes the triggers to go to the darkness and let the darkness take them away from us. It's interesting. I've been having quite a few conversations lately with, with people that, uh, well, actually yesterday evening, I interviewed Rudy Reyes. Um, he actually played himself in generation kill, uh, the HBO miniseries. Right. Um, so, you know, he was this, uh, force recon Marine, um, multiple uh, deployments there in Iraq and Afghanistan, Pakistan, all that. Uh, just, uh, you know, one of those, those individuals that just really high achiever, you know, type a, just go get them. And I'm sure, you know, quite a few special operations people, you know, they're the ones that are least likely to say they got an issue and probably most likely to have it. Right. <laughs> and deeply ingrained issues. <laughs> so uh, he shared his story. Um, pretty, pretty moving. Cause a lot, a lot of times how we deal with that, uh, that stress is through drugs and alcohol. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't really know your story. Um, yeah. Just like you don't really know mine. Right. <laughs> We're learning now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you served over in Iraq. Were you deployed multiple times or? I had four combat deployments, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh shit, man. I was actually man. already deployed when nine 11 happened and it just turned from a, uh, stabilization deployment to a combat deployment thank you thank you for you know serving over there no problem it's my my pleasure my honor to uh serve my country I, I tell people all the time i would do it again in a heartbeat if i went back in time yeah yeah man i you know it was funny so here's here's part of my story um I had been a firefighter for a few years and had already seen a ton of shit and was already doing a lot of drinking. Um, it was just kind of part of the culture, you know, on your days off, get together with a bunch of the guys and, and drink, go canoeing, whatever, you know, whatever. Um <clears throat> I used to live in South Florida and uh, had worked down there and um, on like it was December 30th, I went down South to visit friends and family and ended up partying a little bit, ended up getting a DUI and uh, ultimately um, the department chose to separate me Um it was a really dark time. Uh, I ended up working for a roofing company, fell off a three-story apartment building, fell Ooh. off the roof, broke my back. Uh, 
on September 8th, 2001. Wow. And was laying on my couch high on Oxycontin watching TV when the, when the towers were hit and thinking that it was a movie. When I, when I sobered up and realized what was going on and realized how many firefighters had lost, how many lives were lost. um, That was the last time I took any uh, kind of opiate. Um, Three days after breaking my back, the the rest of the time, my recovery, I took ibuprofen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Uh, just but that not being able to help that feeling of helplessness was brutal and when I finally uh, healed up and was able to get back to the fire department um, you know cleared my name uh, showed everybody I wasn't a piece of shit and um, you know made a really good name for myself worked my way up through the ranks I served as a the chief of special operations for my department. And then uh, later, actually, when I retired, uh, using air quotes there, when I retired, I um, was in charge of six stations, um, two of them being special ops stations. And uh, I loved my career, but I tell you what, looking back on it and and losing my job because again here like 20 years goes by and saw a lot of really bad stuff in the the last year of my employment there 2019 I was um, the uh, ranking officer on scene at three extremely horrific um events and like the the most horrific of of my career and um the third one is i mean i had already been struggling with stuff but you know this just like tipped me over the edge uh where i just didn't give a shit and uh was making making some really poor decisions in my personal life and ended up losing it all. Um, And uh, almost like you said at the beginning, you know, took a a permanent solution for a temporary problem. And um, through all of that and, and realizing that I could make it through and I, I was in control of um, my identity and how people viewed me. And, you know, yeah, I might have stained my, my reputation, but I didn't destroy it. You know, who I am at the core is still me. And, and so when I, when I started writing my book, um, that was kind of the intention was to you know, maybe help people avoid the same mistakes I made, um, help people recognize that, you know, it's really easy to, to believe that we are our occupation, especially like, you know, firefighter, police officer, soldier, 
sailor, Marine, you know, the careers where you're proud, you know, you, you go through hell and you accomplish some shit and you, you're like, yeah, man, this is me. Well, then when you're not that anymore, you're like, fuck, you know, who am I? Um, so what I found is that, you know, who I was, wasn't this firefighter, you know, I, that was how I expressed who I was, right. you know, you know, and I feel like most people inherently know that they're on this planet to add value to others. You know, that's what makes us feel good when we, when we help somebody, when we do something nice for somebody, we feel good. We feel good about ourselves. And it, I, I really think that at our core, that's, that's our purpose in life is to add value to others. And however you express that, however you achieve that end, um, that's, that's what it is. It's the act of really uh, showing who you are. Exactly. And I've read your bio and, and I've seen that you started writing a book in 2010 and didn't finish it until just a, a year and a half ago, I guess, 2020. Yeah. I'm sure that was, that was a struggle to get that writing while still actually being an active firefighter and in charge of other, other men and women on the fire in the fire department, being the ranking person, and then trying to get this book completed. How was that challenge? So that's another, okay. So in, in 2010, my younger brother uh, passed away from a drug overdose, um, and it completely wrecked me. Um, we had got into an argument on Christmas Day, 2009, told him to lose my number, told him, you know, you're not welcome in my house. You just, you know, stay away from my family and um, cut ties with them. And February 4th, uh, I got a phone call from a buddy at the station around the corner from my mom's house where my brother passed uh, telling me, you know, we, there was nothing we could do. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And lo and behold, my brother passed and uh, just really <clears throat> dark time uh like it it that event changed me in a really negative way uh for for a period of time until i um you know i have this beautiful daughter and i just really didn't want her to uh experience me like that so you know i had to shape up um but <clears throat> At, you know, like a couple of months after he passed, I was at the beach uh, with my wife at the time uh, and my daughter. And I went for a run, uh, just trying to get out some of that negative energy. And I just was, I was like I was trying to outrun the tears, you know, and right. uh, ran about five miles down the beach really freaking fast, like a sprint. And <laughs> 
I was just annihilated when I, when I stopped and um, was like, you know, I'm, I can't do this. And I started wading out in the water. I was going to swim out and, uh, and just swim until I couldn't swim anymore. And um, my legs were like jelly and it was like, shit, man, I can't even swim out past my waist. <laughs> like, uh, and I, so I laid on the beach cried and just was like you know how how can i make any kind of sense of this and uh, that was when i decided to write a book on leadership and uh, i had uh, put together a program for the crew at my station it ended up uh growing into a leadership development program for the entire department ah. uh and uh and so as time went on, I was writing and adding to it. I'd go back and look at what I had written a couple of years before and like, oh man, I was an idiot. And like start over, like, cause you, you know, as you get more responsibility, as you learn and evolve and, you know, learn lessons through, you know, making mistakes, it's, uh, it was an evolution. And so I never finished that book. Um, it wasn't until I left the department in 2019 and really went to that dark place and realized, you know, like I gotta, I gotta use this negative energy for something positive. You know, I know something good can come out of this. And, um, and so I sat down with that book and uh, ended up, using some of it but for the most part it's a completely different book um i think it's more philosophical and um it's got some personal stories in it uh really specific to my failures my mistakes my blunders and the lessons that i learned from those those instances um you know i i i've studied leadership for a long time and anybody will if you study leadership for any amount of time you'll find that the that history's greatest leaders had all experienced these horrendous failures where it it challenged who they were and when they realized that they weren't broken they came back even better and and uh now we know them as some of the greatest leaders of of all history so yeah. yeah if you don't try if you don't uh, like Wayne Gretzky you miss them Wayne Gretzky said if you, you miss 100% of shots you don't take all those yeah. leaders took shots and they missed a lot of times until they finally hit that home run where they got that goal and they were able to do something spectacular and lead people to victory and that's when they became famous because of the victory Not and everyone forgets about everything that happened before that and vice yeah. versa if you make a mistake at the end they forget all the good things you did prior to so yeah. it's the same uh <laughs> same kind of pendulum swinging yep yeah yeah uh i i think you know and i haven't made my last mistake you know (laughs) it's uh just gotta minimize the effects on my life (laughs) with the next one (laughs) you understand the third order effects after you make so many mistakes you know what happens down the road so you know how to try to make a smaller mistake moving forward yeah (laughs) or be more conscious of yourself as you're doing things Uh, what is your goal with the book what is your goal for the audience to get out of the book 
So like the title kind of alludes to, like I walk people through building a grand strategy for their life, kind of identifying what their core values are, what is really meaningful to them. Because if you don't really examine yourself and, and dig deep, you know, a lot of times we just live on the surface and, and when, uh, when our life hits some turbulence, you know, it can really wreck things. But I think if we uh, can figure out what's important to us and try and stay true to what is important to our core values, um, we can live a better life. And, you know, recognizing that what you desire in life, like your, your end state isn't necessarily like, I mean, most people retire long before they die. Yes. So, so all those accolades that you might get from a career, you know, in in whatever endeavor, they don't really mean crap when you're laying on your deathbed, you know? Um, So, not saying don't try and be the best at at what you do but understand that that's not who you are right and i i have a lot of tools in the book sprinkled throughout the book just stuff that i've learned through the years to help me manage stress um you know i, I do some talks on leading in stressful environments um that was part of the curriculum for the department I was in is really leading in, in high stress environments. Um, they're things that can really help anybody. Uh, you know, it's stuff that I'm sure that they, some of it I took from the military. So you might be aware, like mm-hmm. box breathing and right. you know, it, it's things that, you know, I would apply when uh say i was an incident commander on a large fire or an active shooter or something like that you know where it's it's pretty stressful and there's a lot of moving parts being able to like calm your mind and and get re-centered uh when all hell is breaking loose so um it's just uh what i want people to walk away with uh with the book is just really how to lead a better life, a more meaningful life. Um, and uh, I don't know, give yourself some grace. We all make mistakes. Some mistakes are going to be bigger than others, but it's what you do with that. Um, you know, especially what I've found is that, when you're struggling with PTSD and you're, you're chasing whatever feel good or shot of dopamine, you know, if it's, you're an adrenaline junkie or, you know, picking up a, a woman at the bar or just getting drunk or whatever that, that dopamine hit is for you when when you're chasing that, that's just temporary and it doesn't fix uh, the need for that dopamine, you know? Um, 
So we tend to make uh, less than good decisions when struggling with PTSD. And, and what I've found is a lot of people that are struggling, if they're not uh, working on working on healing those, those traumas um, can end up making some pretty poor decisions. And I'm speaking from, uh, from personal experience, but, you know, through the healing process and meeting other people with the, with the same issues, it's, uh, you know, you can feel like you've, you know, nuked your life. Um, right. So that's, uh, that's one of the things in the book is just, you know, give yourself some grace when you, when you make some poor decisions, it's not the end. Yeah. Right. You always have a chance to come back, come back better. Every time you fall back, fall down, you got to get back up. And uh, that's what you judge by how many times you get up, not how many times you fall down. And that's absolutely. And I'm hoping when uh, people read your book, they understand that. And when it comes out, you said uh, it'll come out in October timeframe, right? And uh, yep. that's, that's the uh, author copies here soon. Yep. Yeah. That that's the official release is October 11th and I'll be, uh, having like a little soft release, um, leading up to that October date. Um, I'll be offering books on my website and, uh, at different speaking engagements. So, um, yeah. So, uh, speaking of your website, I'm sure that's the place where people can get in contact with you if they want to learn about leadership or hire you as a consultant or actually find out about your book. What is the website title? It's hollenbachleadership.com. It's very simple. It's good. Hollenbachleadership.com. And uh, uh, Dave, thanks for sharing your story with us uh, from uh, everything you've done in your career. Thank you for all you've done for the, your community and uh, all the Amer- all the people that you led through the fire department in your career. It's amazing, uh, amazing journey for you. And uh, congratulations on your book. And thank you so much. And, and thank you for everything that you're doing. What, what an amazing thing that you're doing. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to share with your audience too. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good night. You too, man. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, Please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are... Fit, 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 fit Nation.